This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction recovery specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. Hey, we're back to Lakin Chronicles. We're going to send it over to the doctor. Doctor? Thank you, Phil. No, you know, Lakin Chronicles, we are going to present you with some great stories. People battling addiction, people that have been successful in, 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 in their addiction process and have will tell you about life on the other side and, and how great it is and, and be just a, a, a very good encouragement because they're a great success story. There's also stories out there where the battle was lost. There's stories where people were lost and of course we hear about those through the news but we don't really hear about them. And so I really have somebody special here today that's willing to tell the story of her and her son and it's Lisa and Lisa it's a tremendous amount of courage. I, I appreciate you so much coming out here and telling us your story and sharing it with others so that you can help save others. But yeah, that's, tell us. That's, that's, that's what my goal yeah. is to do. Wonderful. Um, my, um, my name is Lisa. I, I'm, a re, I'm a recovering addict myself here. Um, I was addicted to pain pills. Um, I had multiple surgeries. So starting for a long time, many years, back surgery, leg surgery, arm surgery, everything, and became very addicted. I've relapsed. Um, three times I thought when I first started hurry up and get off the methadone and mm -hmm. within three four months and then got back on um, but I am now um, in recovery over a year and a half but unfortunately my um, my son didn't make it um, my son his name is Dakota McGinnis this is a, a picture of him um, he is forever 24 but actually, January 9th, he would have been 26 years old. Um, my son was a um, vivacious, loving, big heart um, ever since he was little. Friendless little kid ever that you can imagine. Right. Um, and... Uh, he went through some things. We went through a divorce and, and stuff. Um, Dakota started um, with his addiction smoking weed at 11. Um, you know, I, I found some of that out later on. You kind of have little in these little things you think. Later on in his teenager years, I knew he was smoking pot. Um, I kind of turned a blind eye to it because most of the states were get letting you do it. And it was like... But I still feel like that was a gateway drug. I know people fight about it, I, and I do it, but this is my, my experience because my son smoked weed for many years. And we would joke around and say, are you on your happy medicine? You know, mm -hmm. and he would be, he was just giggling and laughing, you know, and stuff. But Dakota was a, you know, he was very funny. He was a jokester. He was contagious smile, beautiful. You walk in the room and everybody loves him. He can make friends with anybody. They would joke and say, Dakota would take his shirt off for a stranger, give his last dollar. They would even say he'd go further and he'd take his pants off. And you know, right. that's how Dakota was. Right. And I never thought in my life that I would lose my son. Um, Dakota started um, with Xanax bars, and they call them the Zanny bars on the streets. Mm -hmm. There's names for them. Um, 
he started playing around with that and pain pills and um, SERP where they do the the codeine um, with the Sprite. And so I know Dakota um, and his friends, they kind of partied a little bit harder than they should have. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, we grew up with addiction in our family. So it, it's a disease um, that is, you know, it can be, I believe, carried on. And then also you're living in that lifestyle and you see it. Um, so um, Dakota, you know, he, I think he just experimented like most kids did, you know, nothing, he never, I never had anything bad until the last, Dakota, when he was, he went back and forth when he was 18, like between 11 and 18 with his dad and me when we were divorced. Dakota had some anger issues with me. I picked some wrong men in my life and also with some of the addiction and with my stuff. So we kind of had this um, relationship that was, it was wonderful at the beginning. I think he was really mad when I made him go live with his dad, but he was getting in trouble at 11. And so just typical things that kids do. But when, when I started noticing things, Dakota was about, you know, after 21, 22, he, he liked to party a little more than he should have. Dakota, when he was 18, got in trouble for breaking into an abandoned house with his cousin. Let me tell you that he has um, nine cousins and they're all a year, I mean, a year, a month apart. They grew up together, Christmases, everything. They were best friends. They called each other brothers and sisters. So they were so close. And he looked up to his his, um, his other cousin that was older, and he did not get um, such he had a good life. He lived on the streets a lot. He belonged to gangs. He did a lot of stuff that um, probably um, would make people... I mean, he, he survived. He had to survive, and he right. would do whatever he had to do to survive. And I'm telling you, he probably hurt people. He probably did a lot of things that he shouldn't have done um, that are bad, you know. Um, and Dakota and, was using him as almost a role Dakota, model. That was his role model. Yeah. And he, even my nephew wrote in the page, I, I he felt like mm -hmm. it was his fault because he led him down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. Dakota was an honor roll student. He played football. He did everything. He walked out of school and quit and went to go live with him and my brother when, because he turned 18 early um, in school, and he had two credit hours to graduate. And I was like, you are screwing up your life. And I did everything I could, and he wasn't scared of me. He wasn't scared of his dad. Mm -hmm. His dad had his path, a new wife, a new child. Mm -hmm. um, so Dakota was kind of just kind of lost there. And um, I had a younger daughter, and, um, you know, so... Um, you know, they were for really far apart. Um, Dakota would come back at home and that, but he got convicted of a felony at 17 for breaking into an empty house. And let me tell you, my son never did anything violent because I wouldn't stand up for my son if he hurt anybody or broke into someone's house or scared him. Because with his addiction, Dakota probably, um, he tried to steal and he was not a good thief. He was not a good... You know, person like his uh, his cousin, he looked he up didn't to. Have the practice, he yeah. did not. He got. He was just mm -hmm. dumb to that stuff. He was not street smart. That's what I want to say. Mm -hmm. My nephew, his his that he looked up to, was very street smart. Dakota couldn't have a clue. But you know, smart in school, 
didn't have to study. Um, and Dakota would try to be that rebel, you know, that person, talk back to the cop. And if he was going to do it, his cousin, he was going to do it worse, you know, whatever it was. If you're going to drink, you're going to take more of that, I'm going to take more of it. Watch me. You know, you're going to take 10 pills, I'm going to take 11. I'll take 20. He's trying so to prove his manhood a little he bit. He did, yeah. yeah. It was in to be around him. And so, um... Dakota started him and he, he had some friends and they they got addicted to they started they started doing the pain pills that was when the, you know mm -hmm. this last couple of years right. pain pills and they started to get expensive they couldn't afford them and um, Dakota already had a strike with a felony against him he was 17 but he was when 18 probation officers and he kind of I think liked that thug life is what he was trying to do but it came against him. And it striked against them, and it in the, these court systems and that don't realize that they these kids they hurt him. My son couldn't find a job. He realized what he did was like, oh my God, what is my life gonna be? Right. So he went back to school. He he got his GED, or he actually got his diploma, and he, he got it when he was um, twenty three. So he got it right before he died, mm -hmm. and. Um, so proud of him and he got into um so he had a rough time he got a job and then he got this really beautiful girlfriend dakota didn't think he was um you know with the girls he didn't think he was i think he's a handsome boy but you know how moms right, are <laughs> right but he was in a toxic very toxic relationship she was doing meth mm -hmm. and she was beautiful but they would fight physically and i had seen her one time come after him and she had a little boy and they lived with us for a while. And um, it got really kind of bad. And uh, that little boy, Dakota, t got really attached to that little boy. And Dakota wanted to have a kid. And he wanted to have a family. But this girl was not the girl for him. And Dakota used the pills to, to when they would fight and that, to get to that pain, that mental pain, right. his depression. And I knew it, and I could tell the days and stuff like that. And actually, one day when she she would cheat on him and do stuff, and um, one day he over he took twenty three Lord tabs, mm -hmm. and I said, "Oh my God, we need to get him in." And he said, "No." She said, "I'll stay up with him all night," and you know she she did, and he he was okay and everything. And I thought this is getting this is where things started turning bad and um you think at that time it was a cry for help like i i don't or, think dakota did it for a cry for help i yeah. think dakota mm -hmm. did it for more of hiding that pain right. he thought i'll hide it internally mm -hmm. in that because and like when there was a time where me and dakota we did not he was probably 19 and we didn't get along and we were fighting a lot we hardly talked and stuff and he said you know mom you were an addict you 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 know what you can say sorry to me now mm -hmm. but it's going to take me a while to forgive you mm -hmm. and that really hurt me and I felt horrible as a mom that I didn't think that this addiction would get him you know and the boyfriend that I was was I guess had he was stealing my lower tabs mm -hmm. and I didn't know this and um so those were some of the things I, I didn't keep an eye on. This relationship and stuff, and, and that was, you know, part of this. And then he lost his job.
So there was no security then all of a sudden. Nobody would take him because he was a felon. And he had done, and then he done, I sold a car, so he got another fel, you know, another felony charge. So here he had a couple of felonies, things, you know, probation and things and that. He followed through, he paid him off, and, you know, I thought he was going to, gonna, you know, go in the right direction. And um, he just really suffered a lot. And he came to me after he started using a lot of pain pills and that with this girl. And he said, Mom, I forgive you. And this was like at 23 or something. And I said, for what? And he said, I love you and I forgive you for what you did because I'm an addict. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I know what it's like to be an addict. So I know what you went through. Mm -hmm. So now I understand. And he goes, so when I was mad at you for all that, I know what it's like. I know that fight you had to fight. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, be sad when your kid has to say, I'm an addict now. Thanks a lot for, you know, I know what you did was wrong. It's not your fault because I'm an addict and I know what that's like. So that put a lot of guilt that, you know, it was great that we could bond, but it was sad that here we were in a situation that that's how we had to recover that way. So he wasn't so angry at you anymore. No. He, he, now he understood. He understood. Yeah. And then his dad was um, addicted to pain pills also. So doing that on both sides. And then when his dad did not get along very well. And his dad would ask him to go get him pain pills. And Dakota was trying to stop. He would try to stop and he'd say, Mom, I don't want to do this because I, I, it makes me want to take them. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what the hell are you doing? So he has to go back out on the streets and try yeah, to... Yeah, and so then he's meeting yeah. with these people and, right. you know, and the, these are people you don't want to mess with because mm -hmm. I will tell you, and I didn't, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I didn't get to tell you this, mm -hmm. but my nephew, the one that he looked up to, mm -hmm. he was doing the heroin, when they started doing the heroin, he got really bad. They came looking for him at his, my brother's house. And my brother said, he ain't here. And they got into words and the guy punched my brother. The next day came by and did a drive-by shooting and shot the house up with 18 bullets. Right. The cops said they were lucky that no one died. Yeah. And they were looking for him and they were gonna kill him. Mm -hmm. They were gonna kill my nephew. And I was like, this is not a life that we live. This, our family, we, we don't do that. I mean, what is going on? And then, you know, my son and his friends, they were like, let's, let's, let's get a heroin, black tar heroin, and we're going to smoke it. We'll smoke it. And that'll be okay. So they actually got those it and they started smoking it and I could tell Dakota a difference in him but I because he was nodding off and things when you're on the heroin and then he was doing it in the house and I would smell something and it was like a sweet weird different and smell. And not anything you were exposed to. No so I've never ever the thing I've ever I've never done anything like that mm -hmm. only thing I've ever done is pain pills so I was like, what is going on? I'd go down to his room, I'd say, Dakota, what, what, what is that? And he's like, nothing, mom, I, nothing. 
And Dakota sold weed to pay for his addiction, but he was also selling black tar heroin, and I didn't know. He told me he I, I went in his bag, and I was that was the mother that snooped and went behind, and I found it, and I picked it up, and it was in a double bag, and I didn't know what it was. And Dakota caught me at the same time. He goes, "Don't touch that." And I said, "Like why?" He said, "It'll go through your system." And I said, "What do you mean? It'll go through my system?" He said, "Heroin. If you touch black tar heroin, it'll go in your system, and you'll have it." And I said, "What are you doing with black tar heroin?" And I freaked out, and I'm like. He said, I'm holding it for a guy, Mom. I'm holding it for a guy, I promise. And this is like after my nephew had got the house shot up. I'm scared. I'm like, what is going on? I said, you got to leave. And, you know, you try to do the tough love. You know, get out. You're out of here. This is it. I'm done. And then you're like, the, the love, you know, I want to help him. And, you know, even when he was sick and I would try to be there and then I'd give him, I'd even give him a pain pill because he's so sick from coming off the heroin. Withdrawals, yeah. Yeah, and so I felt so guilty because I was a part of that. And so... And I know as a parent, you don't know what to do. If you, you love him more, you don't. Will, they, will they come around? Well, maybe not. If you if, if you do tough love, will you drive them away? And, will I and see him? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I'm like, will he ever come back? No, will he be dead? Right. Well, you know, I don't know. And right. this is something I've never experienced. And right. so you didn't have people, and I didn't want certain people, you know, and there was no treatment centers. You know, Dakota had went to treatment, um, mm -hmm. one of the treatment centers here, and he learned more when he was in treatment. And just like jail, they did nothing to help him. They didn't do anything to get him in classes and do things. And in fact, Dakota, I'm going to go back to here where they all decided to smoke the heroin and stuff. And I also started finding black handprints like on the wall or different blacks mm -hmm. black and that was from the black tar and, and tinfoil tons of tinfoil and I'd find it rolled up in areas and hidden and stuff mm -hmm. and it was the the heroin they smoke it apparently underneath and it follow it and, and stuff so I, I, I guess and so they it was like these were these flags I was starting to see and so he kept lying to me, and then I kept saying, I know you're doing it. So then I would call him a junkie, and I'd say, you're going to end up like this, and that. And then I felt horrible for saying it, but we would fight, because I thought if I would say that, he'd be like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get off of this. And he'd keep saying, Mom, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, and, and I knew he was. And then it got to the point where he started using an IV, the needles. Yep. And that's the worst thing you can think of in the world is a person, that stigma that goes with that, you're looking at, oh my God, my son is an IV drug user. And he said, Mom, the first time I did it was his girlfriend cheated on him and sent a video and so he said I want to die so I had a guy shoot me up and because he didn't know and this guy shot him up and thank god he didn't die 
and I had no clue to go to start telling me this stuff later on. This was all beforehand. So, the next thing I noticed, I'm like, you know, I look at him, I said, no, don't be shooting up, please, right. you know, and I'm like, we need to get you help. But instead, you I mean, there was no treatment centers, he had no insurance, he was 23 years old, you know, and almost 24, he was like 24 about then, and he didn't have nothing. And I knew the sickness they get is really bad. I mean, is what he tells me, what I've heard from many people. And so, you know, I, I didn't know how to help my son. And I knew my son was really depressed for a while. And he would lay in bed and for days downstairs. And I couldn't get him to do anything. It's like, if you get a job, you gotta get some money to go to, you gotta go make money, you gotta get up, you gotta fight, you gotta get your life back together. And he said, I'm trying. He said, get off my back, would you? He said, you don't understand every single day. I wanna kill myself. I wanna kill myself. I don't wanna live anymore. He said, you don't even know. It. I, I'm this close to just, just killing myself. And I said, that's it. You're, you're going to get help. I'm sending you to Grace Med, the mental hospital. Sure. So I took Dakota to Grace Med, and he, all I did was keep him there for three days. First day I went to go up there and visit him. And he said, you have to go to treatment or you're not coming back home. And he said, he would. And his girlfriend apparently would, had been in there the, a week before. And so he, they wanted to go together and do this whole thing. And sometimes I feel like when you have two addicts together, they can be bad for each other. You know, they take each other down. And when one's weak, because Dakota one time, I, he put meth and heroin together. And I don't know what they call it. And he picked his face. And it was so bad, I didn't recognize him. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? And my mom was like, she worked in skin, like as a beautician, like and knew about skin. She said, Dakota, you, you stop picking on your, your, your face. You know, you can die from that right. and, and stuff. And I, and I knew, but I didn't want my mom to know. And so I was trying to keep it a secret. And so... So you're scared to death, you don't know what to do. He's an adult, so you can't necessarily make him do anything, and that's the tough part. And know. where would he go? Right. And me, my thing was, where is my son going to go? He has a piece of junk car that he's got um, flashlights as the headlights taped to it. I mean, he's driving around with no ID, really. He's not even supposed to be driving, he lost his license, he couldn't afford it, and so it's like that hole they get into. You can't interrupt, you can't yeah, they, they, they got that felony, they, then they lose their license, and then it's $300, and then it's, you know, and then he's like, I'm trying to get a job, but you're a felon, <laughs> and oh, they say, there's a list online, well, the online list, baloney, I went on there with him, and it was like fake, 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 and 
one place was like, we're going to help you. There's a new program, uh, ComCare, and uh, Hunter Health came together and this and that. And I went with them, and they were going to give them um, Suboxone for free and everything else. And so I went in there with them, and he didn't even have the $50. And he said, Mom, they, this was right when he got out of mm -hmm. um, the mental health because they did nothing. All they did was detox him, basically. And I read the notes, and it just said that, you know, he was just staying in bed. He didn't do any groups, nothing, or not, they, and they just sent him home. They, they didn't want, he didn't have insurance. They didn't want him there. And so, and so I'm looking at my kid, and I'm just like, this is, I love this kid so much. And I can't help him. And he looks at me and says, Mom, help me. I don't want to do this drug anymore. He said, I've got to do it to not feel just to feel okay right. i don't even get a high off of it anymore right. mm -hmm. i just do it because i just want to be okay and i was clueless how am i gonna help him i don't have any money i can't do anything what am i gonna do to help my kid let's tell me please mom help me and my son was not one to ask for anything unless he really needed it. So he knew it was getting bad. He knew he didn't know what else to do because it was either kill myself right. because he didn't have money. He wasn't going to go rob people and do stuff. He didn't even have the energy, I don't think, and the motivation to do anything. And he, I remember the morning... He called me up and he said, he said, can you give me a ride to this kid? He started hanging out with this other kid. And this kid had was teaching him. All of a sudden, my son came back and said, do you know if you take a receipt from something you bought at home and you go to the store and then go grab it off the counter and go up and return it? They'll give you the money. Right. So this guy was teaching them how to do stuff. And I said, who, who is this kid? And then I said, why, why would you, Dakota, that's, he said, like, I was just thinking about it if I ever got home. And I said, no, you get a job. Mm. And then the next day we got, he came around and I went into the garage. I opened the garage door up and I saw this kid with a belt wrapped around his arm mm. and he was shooting up. And I was just like, what the fuck? I mean, sorry. It's like, what? what is going on in my garage? And Dakota goes, get out. Man, what I told you. And then all of a sudden, I shut the door and I was just like, and then I opened up and he said, mom, I told him not to I do that. And I was like, Dakota, are you, let me, and I grabbed his arm to look for track marks. And I, and I couldn't see any. I saw one little one, I think. And Dakota was shooting up between his toes. Yeah. And his fingers because he didn't want no one because he knew the family would know. Right. Not you know. So I looked and I said, "Are you doing this? Are you shooting up?" And he's like, "No, mom, dude, I can't get rid of this kid. He just seemed to ride." I said, "Dakota, please, please don't do this to me." And I said, "Don't leave me. You are all I have." And he said, "Mom, I will never leave you." And I remember those words because I believed him. And I said, I need you 
I need you, Dakota, in this world. I need you in my life. You are my everything. I said, don't leave me. I, I can't deal with this shit. And, you know, and the next day, this, like it's five in the morning, the doorbell rings and it's an officer. And I'm like, what's going on, you know? And I knew Dakota was home. And he used to be like one of those people where I would lay in bed. And until I heard that door shut, I was like, he's home. He's alive. He's okay. And here he was, you know, the whole time shooting up in the house. So this officer goes, there's a young man sleeping out in this truck. And it was Dakota's white truck. And he said, um, the neighbors are calling. He's been out there all night. And I said, really? And then Dakota came up the stairs and he's like, I, I'm like, and he's like, and then my mom stepped out with him and they started say, talking and stuff. And then he left and he said, and, and she, she said, yeah, the officers and the neighbors know it's, what, what, what are you doing, Dakota? These cars coming by and in and out of the, the neighborhood. Like, what are you, are you selling drugs? What, what's going on? And, and, and I knew that this was, you know, and I'm like, oh my God. And Dakota goes, I'll take him home. Don't worry. He, I told him to get his own ride. I don't know. He, he stayed in my car and, and I don't know if they just got high and he nodded out or whatever. And Dakota went inside. And so I was like, this has got to stop. And then he goes, I'll take, I said, your car is illegal and the cops down the street. I will take a moment. He's like, no, no, no. And then they took off. And Dakota told me some other stories, you know, about going into convenience stores and they would shoot up in like these, not like a quick trip, but like those off brand, like little mm -hmm. quick shop and quick little places. And they'd go in the bathrooms and they would be shooting up in their bathrooms. And then they would come in there and say, and they would hide it in the tiles, their mm -hmm. stuff. Cause when they threatened to say, I call cops on you, you guys get their stuff. And I, and I was just like, I do like I think Dakota told was like tell me all the stuff like like a week before okay. he just started yeah. telling me all these things and then when he needed help and stuff and so this kid I said I don't know who this kid is and who you're hanging out with and that's when I noticed Dakota started looking dirtier he wasn't taking care of himself he would disappear early in the morning and be gone all night and then he said, I was getting up at five because I go, I work an early shift and I had gotten up like at four and I was going to say, mom, can you give me a ride over to this kid's house? And I said, Dakota, I can't, I'm running late for work. He said, okay. And so I left and this kid had been out at the casinos at night driving up and down and breaking into cars. So he came by and picked up Dakota and he said, man, I scored a bunch of money going into these cars. Mm. Let's go do it. We can get our money. Yeah. Worst thing that could happen is they get some money. And yeah. so they take off, mm -hmm. but you know, they do their little shoot up cause they have to do it mm -hmm. so many times. Mm -hmm. Dakota nods off and falls asleep. Mm -hmm. The kid gets out and he goes and steals, you know, stuff. Well, they got arrested and they're in another County. And Dakota was innocent because Dakota was out of it. And Dakota's real tall. 
He's a big, tall kid. And uh, here he is in jail in another county. And I'm like, here we go again, you know. So he and was I, going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And, but he was connecting with you finally. He was being yeah. honest. He, he was, was really honest. honest. He was like, yeah. I need help. And then yeah. he said, Mom, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I promise. Right. Yes. I'm like, sure. And then he starts, he said, Mom, they have videotape. And mm -hmm. and I started thinking, I want to see the videotape. I can't afford an attorney. I can't afford a lawyer. I can't do this. So I got him. He had, uh, you know, the, the free lawyers. Mm-hmm. And I harassed this lawyer, and Dakota said, Mom, stop harassing him because he's getting mad. I said, no, that's their job. And eventually, but Dakota would spend, he spent four months in jail. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, maybe this is good. Maybe this is going to help my kid. Sometimes it is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I thought, maybe. And I went and visited him every week. Because he said, Mom, you're the only thing that... I look forward to every week is to be able to come up here and visit you. He said, and I want to thank you because you know what, Mom? You've never, ever gave up on me throughout my whole life. I said, you're my son. I love you, and I will never give up on you. And your hope is just loving him more and more and more. He'll come around. And I so, thought, yeah. four months, he's clean. Yeah. We're going to get him out. We're going to go on. And I kept, I would tell him, you can't do this anymore. You can't do this, Dakota. can't live this life. Right. You know? And he's like, okay, Mom, I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so clean. But somehow, um, I felt like he was getting drugs in there. Because he was asking for a lot of commissary money, which is money they get for their extra stuff. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. But you, I don't you think don't know for sure if he was or not. No, and I don't think he was getting heroin, but I do think maybe uh, they were getting some kind of pills, mm -hmm. you know, to to help. Because I found out when they gave me his paperwork, he was snorting a pill, and it said it was in. He was caught, and he was put in solitary confinement a couple times. And like one week, I didn't hear from him, and I was like, "What is going on?" And so I thought. And here he was. They said, yeah, peace and salt content. And he would lie to me and say, I was this and this. Yep. And after he died, I got all this stuff. And I read it. But I don't think, I mean, it was a lot of stuff, you know, enough that he wasn't really sick. I mean, he got so he got sick in jail. Mm -hmm. They would give him something if you told him right up that you were a heroin addict. And I don't know what it was. No. It was something they, just to really kind of help you sleep, but you still went through, you know. Sometimes clonidine or something like that yeah. just to help it yeah, just, diminish it a little bit. But what, so the night of, I mean, you were, you have a powerful story about the so night So the night of, Dakota, so Dakota gets out and I'm so excited. I go pick him up of jail and I get him home and I'm like, you know, I love you. And, and I'm a, a bad sleeper. I can't sleep at all. So I used to go up at two o'clock in the morning. Dakota had a somni really bad. And I'd go down there and check on him. And we would talk a little bit and then I'd go to bed and everything else. So the night of Dakota gets home and make him a special meal, do all this stuff. I'm so excited. And he's like, mom, you're hovering, you're hovering. I said, oh, I'm just so excited to see you. And he goes, it's in four months, you know, you're going to be clean. You're going to, you promise? And he said, I promise, Mom, I promise. So I could sleep at two o'clock and I'm 
I go downstairs and I walk down this room and I see him. And he's got a needle in his arm. And he's sitting there and he's just passed out, knotted out like this. And he's leaned kind of over. And I woke up and I slap him. And he wakes up and he, and, and he woke up and he goes, what? 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 Oh, and I said, what are you doing four months and you do this shit, you're out of here. And we start fighting and my mom's upstairs asleep. He's like, don't, 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 don't yell. Mom, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know what it was. And I take the needle and I go, I, I drain it out and, and I broke it and whatever. And I'm just like yelling at him and stuff. And I grab this stuff and he's like, don't throw it away. Don't throw it away because I, I owe it to him. The guy, uh, please. And I said, I'll, I'll give you and you can hold it. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I, and I was like, don't you give it back to him? And he's like, I promise, Mom. I'll call my probation officer. I'll go to treatment. I promise. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and he goes, I don't feel good, Mom. And I said, I know. I said, you promise you can't go back to your old dose, Dakota. People die. That's how they die. Absolutely. Yeah. And I said, please. And I, and I truly feel like God gave me that night with him because... I think he would have injected the rest of it into his arm. And so he said he didn't feel good. And I said, babe, lay down. And he said, will you lay with me? And I laid with him. And I hugged him. And I made sure he's breathing okay. I said, I love you. He said, I love you, Mom. After we, you know, had this big fight and stuff. And, so I laid for about two hours with him. I kissed him in the forehead and everything. And then the next day, he went ahead and told my mom what he did. And he was gonna, it was a Friday. So he couldn't call anybody for help. And he couldn't call his probation officer. So, you know, I believed him. And that night was, <laughs> it was a Friday night. And he went to bed, and I went to bed, and everybody, you know, he was on his computer a lot, and he was down in his room, and I got up in the morning, it was Saturday, and I didn't get up in the middle of the night, which was weird, I always do, and I went downstairs, and when I went down the stairs, I see his feet only, and his bedroom door was open, and I said, Oh my God, Dakota, your feet are blue and purplish. We gotta go take you to the hospital. And he was slumped over. And he has done that before. And so I went over to him and I grabbed him. And I just knew he was dead. My son was dead. And I screamed to my mom and I said, Mom, Call 911, Dakota's dead. And she said, what? And I said, call 911, he's dead. She said, my phone's messed up. I said, come here, he's dead. And I ran upstairs and I called 911 and I said, and I brought the phone downstairs and he wasn't breathing. He wasn't doing nothing. And he was stiff. And then I looked down and he had already defecated in the bed. And my mom had thrown up and she said, he's been dead. He's, and then like, she was yelling at him, she said, he's blue. And 
they said, do you see PR? She said, he's blue. Do you not understand? She said, rigmatorist is set in. And then I was like, oh my God. And I, and I held him. And I, and I remember it was like, his soul was gone. And you can tell it was like this dead body. And it was the most weirdest. I was like, I know he's gone. And I just, it was like, trying to start a car and it won't start again it was that like you know it's like his soul was gone and I just like and it wasn't him and it was cold and clammy and I just like my son is dead he's 24 years old and I have a dead kid <laughs> what do I do and I ran upstairs because <laughs> I didn't believe it and I was waiting for the, the sirens to come and I looked at the police officers and the firemen and I said hurry and, and it was like until I heard them say he is dead I wasn't going to believe him and they just walked the they just walked to his door and they looked at him and they said ma'am he's been dead for over six hours <laughs> And I just fell to the ground and screamed, why, why, why my, why my child? And you're in shock and I didn't know what to do. And we just started calling family members. It was like seven in the morning and no one would answer. And I remember I got a hold of this nephew that, that was the one he idolized and I said, He's dead. Dakota's dead. And he said, no. He said, no. Are you kidding me? And I said, no, he's dead. I don't remember much after that. I remember a chaplain came and they tried to talk to me. And then I remember them taking Dakota's body out in a bag. And my mom and I had to call his dad. His dad came and they carried him out. and. I had a, I have a daughter, and my daughter and him, she had left for two years, and we were fighting over something, a dog, and that, and but her and her brother were just starting to bond, and they had this relationship that was really close, and, they were, and he said, you promise me we'll keep in touch, and we don't have to talk about mom, and her dad wouldn't let them communicate at all with us, and so I had to have the sheriff go tell her that her brother was dead because his dad wouldn't even call him. So he was a sister that hadn't seen him for two years and she just found out her brother was dead. You always think you'll have another chance. You always you think you'll have another think, day. Yeah. If I could just have one more day yeah. to smell my son, to hold him, to kiss him. And a lot of my, I just went into this, you know, my sister came right away, she was my rock, and I don't know how I made it, I don't know how I made it to the funeral, you don't have money, who has money when, you know, who's going to bury your child, you don't know that kind of stuff, so I had a lot of outpour from friends and family, and sent me money, 
But I remember the songs and the things and the triggers that you have with your, you know, I cry all the time. In the first year I thought was bad, I see a grief therapist, I see a therapist, and I belong to the Not In Vain group. And when I first started with this group, it was all these sad stories. And I was like, I can't listen to any more stories of these kids dying. <laughs> One mother lost four or five kids. I mean, it was like, and this is up in the, along the coast in California, Texas, and up in Maine, Maine and up there is really bad. And they had thousands and thousands. I mean, they just are losing kids. We're losing 192 was the last time we looked a day. And, you know, we have so many days where you'd have the black balloon day and purples in color. And it's just like the empty chair and the fentanyl poisoning is coming around where these kids are dying. Pure fentanyl. And these mothers run there and there was one... Her daughter never did one drug. Her friends could say she was nothing. She said a party. Some guy said, hey, just take this Lortab. It's a five milligram. He said, you'll drink it with your beer. Pure fentanyl killed her in 15 minutes. Never did a drug. You never know. You never know. You don't know. And that's why when I try to get, I want to tell Dakota's story. <laughs> and uh, these other people, these mothers, and I had to turn around and I've been a year in therapy. And I still cry to this day because I think I even talked to you when I went to Florida for the Not In Vain group. Because <clears throat> all of the moms went and we went on the beach on, on the, uh, down by the ocean. And we put these all of our kids in a row. And we said their names and we did a, and the floor, the noose is out there. And then we all walked out to the ocean. We spread their ashes in there, or in the people that did, they threw a rose. And it was to represent, you know. But this group, and this, this saved me because at first it was really hard and I had to kind of get off. And then, then I started telling you I was having memory problems and things. And I got in the room and I said, do you guys like drive by your house and forget? And they were like, oh yeah, that's called grief brain. And I was like, no. And I look it up and it really was. And so I started reconnecting with these moms. And when I went to this convention, you didn't even have to say anything. You just cried and they would come up and hug you. And you felt they knew the story. You didn't have to tell it. They knew it. They lived it already. And what I did learn, one thing was that I tried to take the positive things that I can with my son that one we left on good terms in this world Absolutely. you know I gotta tell him the night before and I really felt like God gave me that night that extra day because we gotta say I love you because some of these mothers they don't find their kids for three months some of them was fun girl was found in a river for two weeks her body had been Friends dump them off in the ditches. They dump them off in streets. They dump them off in front of the hospitals. 
and one of them, there was three kids, and the one was laying there, and they sat there and let him die and gasp for air and yeah. just left them in they're hotel not rooms. Clearly. Well, it's everybody for themselves. It, it, they think it, it, these it, are their friends, and they're not. Yeah. No, and, and they're not, and, and, you, and you do, but the thing about it was that, and one of them was left in a hundred, it was 120 degrees in Arizona in car, and he was left for three days in there. And a lot of them were left in the Walmarts. But these moms, what I thought was, they didn't get to see their kids. And the last things that they said were, you know, nasty things. Yeah. And I got to tell my son I loved him. And I got to hug him. And he was home where he knew he was loved. Yeah. And you know, some... It worries me, and that's why your story is so powerful. It's so powerful because if you're a parent or you have a loved one out there, you have to see the signs. And you go back now and you have all this hindsight and all this stuff, but you wanted to believe, you wanted to believe, and he was a, he did. was good at, at, at justifying his reasoning about why he was helping a friend or it was the friend, it wasn't him, or he's just watching yep. it or whatever. And, of course, when you look at that now and a even when he did ask me for yeah. help, and he and I did, yeah. I didn't know where to go. There right. is no, we have to find, yeah. we, we have to have better places for these kids. Yeah. We have to have help for them. They need it. This drug is killing people. Yeah. And it's, I mean, when you think of, that was, that is, that 192 a day, that was years ago. So there it's, are, it's. Every bit is, yeah. You know, and I have I have a friend that works. Um, her, she is actually my best friend's sister. Works on in Harlem on the streets, and is, she's a social worker. And she goes and gets the addicts, and gives them Narcan and brings them back. And her sister said, "Will they tell you thank you afterwards?" For saving their life, she said, "Heck no! They are pissed off." You just ruined their $100 you were a high. high. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. she said they have spent. She said that they, she has saved. She has done nine can't nine times. She has saved people, mm -hmm. and um, she said that now she said it's not. It is not discriminated. It is every race. It is right. rich, poor, every ethnicity. You know, it's. Everywhere. It doesn't matter who you are. It's right. doctors. It's lawyers. It's poor people. It's rich people. It does not discriminate. Yeah. And, I mean, and we see that here. We have people, all kinds of professions, all kinds of professionals. We have people that have just watched their friend almost overdose and die or overdose and die. And to them, they got the message. Yeah. But it's too late for their friend or their yeah. friend didn't get the message. And then what is important that I like is that your your story i mean sometimes things feel so hopeless out there we have people's stories where they were there where they were they felt so hopeless they can't do it they would be better off dead you know my family would be better off my mom would be better off if i just wasn't here i wasn't a burden and you can tell them that you didn't make it easier on me by dying you did not make it easier no the pain never goes away and no and like i one thing like I, I went through this denial, I think, the first year and the second year. It was reality, and it really, I mean, I really suffered. There were days I couldn't get out of bed, and then I had to fight every day. Every day is a fight for me, but every holiday, I don't, I'm robbed. My son doesn't get to get married. 
my son that I don't get grandkids? You know, what about me? You know, what, it's, it's not, it's like, I don't get any of that stuff. I don't get to see my son walk down the aisle. I don't get to see my son go through those things in life. You know, no person should ever, ever lose a child before themselves. No parent. It's not fair. It's not right. It's just wrong. And now I see those four kids and they're still doing heroin and you'd think that would have got to them. And they're on Facebook celebrating Christmas with their kids and them. And I look and I'm mad because I want to go, I don't get a grandkid. I don't get my son. And you, you, you're still doing it. And, you know, it's not fair. And then it's just like you, these feelings that you have. And I just was like so angry. And I was angry at my nephew. And I didn't want him because he's my family. That's my blood. But then he even wrote. I looked on Dakota's Facebook page because it's still on there. And he said, we partied too hard, bro. And I'm sorry because I feel like it was my fault. And he even knew. And so, you know, it's just really hard that you people don't realize. And, you know, and if my son and I try to think of him, you know, like, he would say, Mom, don't, don't, please don't lay in bed. Don't cry. Please get up and fight. And I have to think of him saying that because I'm, I'm just lost. I'm so lost. It's not even, I want to help other people and I want to do something for Dakota, you know, to, to tell people that, you know, you are loved. You, you can fight it. You can do it. I know it's hard. But you can do it. But we've got to get help. And I appreciate you, I mean, so much. I know this is so hard. And and no parent in the world, it's got to be the worst pain ever. And yet, you were just in the lobby telling another couple that was fighting their own battle with heroin to, to fight. And to and it's, it's worth so it. It's so powerful. You love her. It is. I mean, it's... Uh... Yeah. It's going to help so many people. It is. And they're loved. And these people, these kids need to know they're loved. Their parents may be mad at them or giving them the tough love. But you know what? They're just like me. Because right. I met a thousand. I, when I went to that retreat, there were 60 other mothers. And after that retreat, we had, not, we had a thousand people join our group. And on there every day. And you can get on there, and this group has been so good, not in vain. I get on there, and I'm like, I don't feel, I'm depressed. And they will text you in 10 minutes, I'll get 60, you know, texts from people saying, Lisa, I love you, Lisa. I, and I don't even know them, but they're like, I know your story. I know it. I, I love you. Fight. Get up. And I've met people that are there, and they've been like, how are you doing? I'm worried about you. It's Dakota's, and they we remember their birthdays, and we 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 we, we reach out. We say we we know you're having a bad week, and we do try to give them that encouragement. And then they're when they have their their um, angel anniversary is what we call it. When they they left us, and we reach out to them, and you know we have um, they change the photos, and someone sent me one with you know. Dakota with angel wings behind them. So it's just really neat that the mothers and the support that you get because you have, it's like when your child dies, 
you have all these people there. And judgment. And they want, yeah. no, but it's oh. not, it's an, Oh, your support. Yeah, yes, absolutely. This, uh, not in judgment. Uh, yeah. No, okay. they're all there for you. Yeah. But then the time goes on and they all walk away and they dwindle right. mm-hmm. and they're gone. Right. And then it's a year later and it's like, where are you guys? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where'd you go? Right. I, I need you. This is a bad day for me. And right. I, I don't know, you know, they don't have time and people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to say, you know, and, and stuff. So they're, um, they, you know, it's in it, it's it's the stigma, just like you were saying right. too. The stigma that people are saying your kid chose to do that drug. Right. Your kids and you, well, it's those like, people don't need to acknowledge. No, yeah, it's just it. like. But the thing is, is that we have to realize that this is an, a disease. Disease. It's addiction. It's it's it is. It's it's just like heart disease. It's just like anything else. These kids did not choose to do this. My son didn't say, you know what, I want to grow up and be a heroin addict. You know what? And I'm going to be a bad thug. It takes control so quickly and so easily. And it does. And it ripped him. And he even said, like, he was like, Mom, just to to feel normal. Yes. I have to just do it. And I don't want to do it anymore, Mom. It's not even about the high. They can't even get high, like you said. Yeah. And and for you to be strong and to uh, drive force for his honor, I mean, to me, that oh, just yeah. to hear this story and to hear you, that's going to be a real playmaker for people. You know, it, it, I've had some of his friends. I had one of them on Dakota's first angel anniversary sent me $100. He said, Mom, he called me Mom because he was going to, Dakota was going to go live with them afterwards. And I wish I could have got to go there faster. And now we, in fact, we're supposed to meet for lunch today. And he's kept in touch. And then one girl got on there and said, my name is such and such. Dakota was my best friend. One of, I, whenever I felt bad, I could lean on his shoulders. And I said, oh, that's, that's great. And I said, I'm glad you kept us. She said, I know it's been six months, but Dakota would want someone to check on his mom. Because... I can tell you that Dakota loved you with every ounce of his being. He said that you were the only person that never, ever gave up on him. So to any parent out there, don't give up on your kids. Don't give them that feeling. And you may have to give them tough love. I gave my son tough love too. But he still respected me for it because I never walked away from him. He was my kid. He was my baby. But well, now I, again, I know you know. Your story is going to, I mean, make such a big difference. And I and I, I appreciate the strength and the courage it took to actually tell your story. And I, I hope so it does. I, I know hope there's a long, well. long road of healing. But You know, and I and I just want you, you know, other mothers, you know, any people to know, too, there, there are groups, and just like I said, this not in vain group, that, you know, there are groups online, and there's for siblings and other people, too, like, you know, that... Yeah, that can't, you know, there are people out there, and sometimes it's easier to talk on a, you know, texting than it is to talk in person in a group in a room because there aren't a lot of groups that that go on. So um, it was really hard afterwards. I try to look for a group. So um, you know, I would like to, you know, I I'm 
you know, people can find me on Facebook and look me up and I'll be glad to help you and, and, and walk that journey with you because it's a hard walk to walk and, you know, yeah. those first years. And we will, we will put your email and and whatever email you want yeah. you know, for people to reach out. And, yeah, because I'm, I'm here because I can tell you yeah. there's not a lot of, of these groups and stuff and mm -hmm. the, the mothers, they, they need that help. Right. Those, they, they need that, that they support. They may feel alone, but they're, they're not. Yeah, they are not. Because your family, right. they, I mean, God bless my family, but they get tired and they don't understand it. Only people that understand that pain, you know what yeah. I mean? Like my sister will say, you need to move on, mm -hmm. you know, stop it, Lisa, move on. And to me, that means don't talk about him. And they were like, my daughter was like, why do you have pictures all over of him everywhere? And why do you talk about him? I will never stop talking about my son. Mm -hmm. And anybody that has lost a child never does because they are with us and they will always be with us. And we will never, ever stop talking about him because his story has to be told so someone else can maybe save their life or someone else. And you have to look for those red flags. I was in denial because you know what? When the first time I said, I looked up and I think I was telling you, I googled, what is a heroin addict? What do you look for? And it said, shoelaces, belts. Look for needles, cotton, water, spoons. And I started thinking, we were missing spoons. We were missing, you know, I saw the water really? bottles. I saw it, you know. And then I looked at it, but I was in denial. I was like, yeah. it was right in my face. Not my son. No. Well, thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you. it that so much. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Thank you. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lake and Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.